Beyond the Baseline, the Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter the promo code BEYOND at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your tickets, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app, enter the code BEYOND for $20 off your first tickets. you're playing football and you're a cornerback and somebody beats you for a long bump, you have to have a short memory in this world. So, you know, the, the fact is there, you know, if you're not, if you're not losing, you're not playing. So the ability to deal with, with losing the setbacks and being able to turn those into opportunities for further victories. I mean, that's the key to successful athletes, it's the key to successful business people. All of us are dealing with the issues of continual challenges and the ability to deal with those, uh, are, are what differentiates the great ones from the good ones. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. This week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast post-U.S. Open. We have an unusual guest this week, but we're happy to have him with us. He is the CEO of a small tech company named Oracle. He's also a big supporter of college tennis and a former college player at Baylor. Mark Hurd, co-CEO of Oracle. Mark, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. You're coming to us fresh from an earnings call. So uh, I hope I hope that went I well know, for you. I'm, I'm headed there. I'm headed there, John. So I'm not, um, I'm, I'm taking time out today to talk to you before I go do that. So excited to be with you. I appreciate it. I hope, I hope we have good news on both counts. Um, so let, so let me ask you before we talk college tennis, did, did you watch the U S open this weekend? I did. What, what'd you, uh, what'd you make of everything from Serena's defeat to, uh, to the men's final? What, what's, what struck out for you? I thought it was a shame to see Serena, um, um, lose the way she did clearly. I mean, it, it's just hard to imagine the, the, um, uh, intensity of the pressure involved in trying to accomplish what she was attempting to accomplish, and it was a it was a very tough thing to watch. I thought in the third set of, of the semifinal, so probably if anything, disappointment uh, and empathy, you know, for the difficulty of the challenge that she was facing. Um, in terms of the finals, I think uh, uh, with Djokovic and Federer, I think going up to it, I, I don't think I'd ever seen a tennis player, let alone Roger, play as well going into the finals as uh, as Roger had played. And uh, I think like you've seen so many times, it just shows you what a tough competitor Djokovic is to be able to uh, uh, to take the level of play Federer had coming in and fundamentally neutralize it and do what he did to Roger in the finals. And yet, from a tennis fan's perspective, it doesn't get much better than than watching those two guys play in the finals. So I thought just an exciting match to watch and uh, to be able to see. Are you at the point where you have you have favorite players, or are you so in in the weeds you, you just sort of appreciate the sport for what it is? I mean, are there aesthetically are there players that stick out for you? You know, because I'm sort of in, still involved in tennis, I try not to to to, to pick on um, who are my favorites and who are not because there's a good chance I would run into those that are not. Um, and so I just enjoy watching um, 
you know, great tennis. I think it's a great sport uh, for lots of reasons. And so I just I haven't played the sport a lot myself. I just admire the ability to compete at that level, particularly those players that have been able to not only compete at that level, but be able to do so for such a long period of time and uh, consistency, consistently execute. I feel the same way in business. Uh, it's just uh, amazing to see the level these guys can compete at as long as they have. Unlike college tennis, no, uh, no, no ten, no ten point uh, third set tiebreak. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you. So Oracle sponsoring this, I, I call it sort of the kickoff classic. We're kicking off the uh, the college season this weekend at the Malibu Racquet Club with with this Oracle event. And I guess I'm curious why college tennis. I mean, there are all sorts of sports where you can par- park some marketing dollars. Why, why have you decided that uh, college tennis is a place? that Oracle wants to support? Well, we're big supporters of the sport as a company. Sure. I think it goes deep into our DNA. Our, uh, our founder, um, uh, Larry Ellison, um, is uh, very deep into tennis. He has uh, uh, made, uh, he's basically finally bought and built up uh, the tournament in Indian Wells, which arguably is, uh, if not the greatest tournament uh, in the world today, even though it's not a Grand Slam, certainly would be viewed as, some people call it the fifth Grand Slam. Uh, we've made, he's made big investments in that, and so has Oracle. Oracle is a sponsor uh, of the event um, a- as well. I think we look at as a continuum of opportunity to try to build up the sport. We look at college tennis as an important element of a uh, complete, if you will, broader tennis ecosystem and the ability for college tennis, which has produced, you know, a tremendous number of, uh, you know, superb tennis players. Kevin Anderson, who you saw in, in, uh, in it, uh, the U.S. Open is a product of the University of Illinois. John Misner is a product of the University of Georgia. Uh, Benjamin Becker is a project, uh, product of, of, of Baylor. Steve Johnson of USC. And I can go down, uh, I'll stop there, but I can go down a number of, of the top players that have enjoyed great college careers. So we see the opportunity for Oracle to invest in colleges, which, by the way, we fundamentally recruit from. So we're a big recruiter of young, uh, of young students. Um, across the country, we'll recruit 13 to 1,500 young people out of American universities this year, train them, and bring them into our company. We think the alignment of, of Oracle's uh, needs for tremendous talent students aligned with a sport that we're so deeply invested in, tennis, the opportunity to uh, see that alignment between college tennis and pro tennis, all of that makes uh, tremendous sense for us to invest in. You've seen us invest in sailing as well. Obviously, sailing is sure. uh, you know, another sport that we've We've, we've branded as well, and so um, you know we're, uh, we're, uh, we're we're very focused on where we invest. We do go big, and uh, we try to do uh, an absolute. We try to do a first class job in virtually everything we touch. Now that the U.S. Open is over, what on earth is going to fill your days and nights? Well, the NFL's back in action. It seems like everyone is playing fantasy football. Don't get left out. Now you can play with up to two hundred dollars back. In bonus cash with our code BEYOND. You've probably heard of FanDuel somewhere before. They are advertising on many platforms. They are now a ubiquitous sports sponsorship. We're lucky to have them as well. Here's what it's all about. FanDuel's the leader in one-week fantasy football. There are more winners, more payouts than any other site. This week alone, $75 million they're paying out per week. Entry fees start as low as just a dollar. There are more than a million players who have won money playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Now it's your turn. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use our code BEYOND, and sign up now. 
There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to 200 bucks. The offer is good only for the first 50 people that use the code BEYOND today. Don't get left out. Again, go to the homepage, use the code BEYOND. I mean, I think we all we all know about Mr. Ellison's fondness for tennis and what, what he's meant for the sport, but you yourself played college tennis at Baylor, which, of course, now is one of the top programs. Well, I got I got to ask you this, too. So I was, I was trying to figure out what year you graduated. So I, I put it in Google. Uh, I graduated. Uh, I, I graduated four years ago. Um, I really uh, you, just I just got out. Um, no, I graduated um, <clears throat> longer ago than I cared to admit. Wait, I, I got, I got uh, to. Uh, I so I, I looked this up, and I, I, we don't even have to talk about the number, but you know how I found this out? By going onto your LinkedIn page. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. you're probably one of the few Fortune 500 CEOs that keeps a, uh, a LinkedIn page. I thought that was uh, that's, that's a nice touch. But to- yeah, you figured it out. So I, I, don't have to even, I don't have to even answer. I heard a uh, bit. Big serve, big forehand. Um, forehand was the stronger wing, is what my moles tell tell me about your game. Well, you know, I, I like like anybody played a lot of tennis. I had my share of very good wins, and unfortunately, I had my share of losses as well. Well, I mean, keep going with that because you mentioned it with recruitment. I mean, I think we we talk all the time in general terms about sports being good preparation for life and for business. But I mean, what what specifically have you been able to transfer from being a a high-level college tennis player to your success in business? I mean, what are, what are some specific skills? Well, I mean, I think like anything, any, uh, I'll say generically as a college athlete, you obviously have to deal with time management. You have to deal with structure. You have to have time to practice, to study, uh, to be able to deal with the traveling as well. Particularly in a sport like tennis, you, you have to travel a lot <clears throat> during the year. Um, so being able to deal with just the time management and the requirements to, to, uh, to handle all the smart you, um, is something that I think gives you gives you excellent preparation. Tennis is one of those sports at, at, in college that is an individual sport in a team format. So you have the the elements of a team, sort of like an, a business in a company, where you know you're part of a team, but everybody has to play their position, play their slot individually, and execute. And so when you play tennis, like you saw at the U.S. Open, you know there's ebbs and flows in a match because very much it's just you. There's really no one else out there to have. There's no one else to help you block. There's nobody else up there to do anything. It's really just you. And so there's a lot that that there's a lot you learn in terms of stipulativeness and in intensity and the able to pace yourself and yet continue to play at a high level. Yet it's done in a team format. And I think that's a very um, two very interesting things: the time management holistically, and then the ability to have to deliver individually but do it within the context of the team is, um, I think, great preparation for what happens to you in the business world. So, so run with these or, or shoot them down as, as being too trite. But you are, you are a co-CEO, which is an unconventional arrangement, obviously, that, that sure seems to work for Oracle. Um, so like a doubles team? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good, uh, a, a, a good you know, it's sort of what I said earlier. We, we sort of play uh, or we do two things at the same time. We play individual positions and we work together both at the same time. And I think it's, uh, you know, it makes us a better company because we can simply just do more things. All right. I'll throw another one at you. At, uh, at your previous position, you, you got a bum line call. You managed to shake it off and uh, continue playing and it's, it's done well by you. 
You you buy that or is that too um, much a stretch? You know, listen, I tend I I tend to focus, John, more on the news channel than the history channel. So you know, I don't usually spend a lot of time. I've I've had the good fortune to be uh, CEO of three fantastic companies. I've had fantastic uh, um, you know run in all three. I've loved all three, and and you know, I just I, I leave it at that. Listen, business is like sports. You have ups, you have downs, and all you can do is keep playing. What are you telling as a manager right now? What What are you telling Serena Williams if you're if she's someone who's working for you, keep playing. Focus on the future and get over yeah, it. Exactly. You can't. You know the the problem. The problem. It's like any sport, right? If you're playing football and you're a cornerback and somebody beats you for a long bump, you have to have a short memory in this world. So you know the the fact is there. There. You know if you're not if you're not losing, you're not playing. So the ability to deal with with losing, with setbacks, and being able to turn those into opportunities for further victories. I mean that's the key to successful athletes. It's key to successful business people, all of us are dealing with the issues of continual challenges and the ability to deal with those uh, are, are what differentiates the great ones from the good ones. All right. One more real quick. I, I was uh, doing, doing a piece on Brittany Griner recently at Baylor a few years ago. I stopped by the tennis facility. It's gorgeous. That facility is obviously um, a facility that you helped uh, construct. I'm wondering, though, about, about college tennis. You're clearly deeply involved. We all understand innovating versus, you know, you don't want to erode the core product. How are you with all these rule changes that have caused quite a bit of chatter in, in the tennis community? I mean, how are you with what's going on in college tennis in terms of structure right now? Well, I think college tennis has got its own set of issues, right? One reason, you know, is we've dealt with many of the issues that have come with Title IX there are more schools playing women's tennis today and less schools playing uh, men's tennis. That's the reality of what's uh, transpired over the last 20 years. So it's it's sort of good news, bad news, uh, sort of at the same time. Uh, on the flip side of it, the length of college matches has been too long to make it as, as effective a spectator sport as I think many of us would like. So many of the rules that you're describing have been rules to try to engage crowds and engage spectators. This uh, issue with no ad tennis. Uh, no ad tennis has been around a long time. It's currently uh, going to be played actually this weekend at uh, at, at our Oracle uh, Challenge in Malibu. Um, and and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It does bring more pressure. It brings more tension. It also accelerates uh, the matches. The ability now for fans to be more boisterous in college tennis than they were before is all another uh, objective to try to get fans more engaged in the sport. If you were at the Baylor-Oklahoma tennis match last year on a Friday night in Waco, Texas, you would have found 2,000 people at this match. And and I actually had one of the people from the Big 12 with me who said, this is more like a hockey game than it is a tennis match. And it was because of the enthusiasm and excitement and the passion of college and meeting up with tennis and the ability for fans to more express themselves. So while I think from a conventional perspective, there's some changes involved, we're always innovating and we're trying to get more engagement in the sport, more enthusiasm, excitement in the sport and make it more fan friendly. And I think, I think that's a good thing, John. I hope I warmed you up before that earnings call. Go, go share some good news. Thank but uh, I, I really appreciate it. Right. The Oracle event again this weekend at the Malibu Racket Club. This is kind of the kickoff classic of college tennis. Mark Hurd, big supporter of college tennis. Thanks so much. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the best new way to find amazing deals on tennis as well as football and concert tickets. It's called the SeatGeek app. 
When you use our code BEYOND, you'll get $20 off your first ticket purchase. The SeatGeek app takes less than a minute to download. It's free on the iPhone and Androids. It aggregates from all the big ticket sites. So just like you're searching for flights and hotels online, SeatGeek pulls in all the ticket options from hundreds of sellers. It creates one-stop shopping for sports and concert tickets. Here's what you do. Download the app. It's seamless. It's easy. It's safe. You're not going to have to worry about bogus tickets. Once you've downloaded it, enter the promo code BEYOND. SeatGeek will then send you $20 back once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. If you want to go see live tennis, football, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app, enter our code BEYOND, and save $20. All right, thanks to Mark Hurd, co-CEO of Oracle, along with Larry Ellison. That company has really done a tremendous job supporting tennis, both college tennis and at the pro level. Let's talk a little bit U.S. Open wrap up here back in the studio. I'm getting a fair amount of mail still 72 hours after the men's final. Just go through some quick points that seem to come up again and again. One of them is Novak Djokovic. Where does he go from here? And it's a great question. My question is, who is going to stop him? He's up to 10 majors now after beating Roger Federer in the final on Sunday. That puts him in double figures. He is 28 years old. Roger, of course, is 34. Rafael Nadal is in a season-long slump. Novak still seems to have Andy Murray's password. You look at players under 25, whether it's Borna Chorich, you can throw out Rublev, throw out names, but none appear really ready to step up and emerge as a threat. And I think suddenly we need to really start thinking about Novak Djokovic no longer. Theoretically, we really need to consider him. What's his legacy going to be? Is he going to make a run at Roger slams and as the greatest of all time. He's up to double figures. He's only 28. No one in his path. A tennis career now is longer than it was, of course, a generation ago. Not so out of the question that Novak Djokovic has eight more of these majors left in him. To me, that's one of the big plot points from the U.S. Open. On the women's plot point, I think we're all still in a bit of shock with Serena Williams in the 27th match. She only needed 28 in the 27th match. She, of course, came up short against Roberta Vinci. I suppose the good news, she's still in New York. She's still participating in New York fashion affairs. Five days later, she's she's out on the streets here. But what a brutal loss. And for all the talk that she didn't feel the pressure, the evidence on Friday was, was clear that she did. At some level, this is, I, th- I think, a validation of tennis. It shows that even the best players can feel exposed, can feel pressure. In a way, we like that there isn't a timeout you can call. There is no coach that can come onto the court at a major and, and talk you off the ledge. But what a devastating defeat. And Serena Williams, to me, greatest player of all time, even if she never catches Steffi Graf, even if she never catches Margaret Court, but that was a real moment of looking very mortal and very human. God bless Roberta Vinci. She played a tough veteran match, but this to me was much more about Serena Williams being completely overcome by nerves and buckling under all that historical weight. Flavia Panetta, great story of the U.S. Open, wins a Grand Slam, charms the crowd, is now getting married, and will only play a few more weeks on the WTA Tour, provided, of course, she keeps her vow. Uh, made for a nice storyline. On the other hand, from a WTA Tour perspective, A, realistically, we all wanted to see Serena seal this Grand Slam. Also, between among Lina, Marion Bartoli, and now Flavia Panetta, 
a bit strange that three major champions in the last three years will no longer be playing. Other notes, Martina Hingis. So maybe they will be playing. Maybe they'll unretire the way Martina Hingis has. She's unretired twice. Here she is. It's two weeks before she turns 35 years old, which is a depressing thought in itself. But what's less depressing, the quality of her tennis. Hingis is now the single best doubles player in the women's game. She won the mixed with Leander Pace. She won the women's doubles with Sonia Mirza, her partner. They also won at Wimbledon. And suddenly Martina Hingis, we always knew about her hands. We always knew about her strategizing in doubles. She only has to cover half the court. Some of the weaknesses of her game, the pace, the second serve, can be camouflaged. And this is one of the very nice chapters in tennis history being written. Here's a Hall of Fame player. Here's someone who's, you know, came, came within uh, a bratty match at the French Open of winning the career Grand Slam. A-list singles player, and here she is more than 10 years later in her mid-30s. Really, you could say dominating the doubles team and seeming to have a good time all the while. Uh, lastly, curious to see what happens with Donald Young. That was such a breakthrough open for him in many respects. He got to the middle weekend. He won a pair of five setters, one of them on the grandstand, and probably more impressive, being a very, very nice player in Gilles Simone. The question now for Donald is what happens when he goes to Asia? And there's not a huge pro-American crowd and TV and all the comforts of home. What happens when he goes to the Australian Open and he doesn't have a wild card and his team necessarily with him? We've seen this before with Donald Young. He's had some very nice results. This is a guy, you know, who's beaten Andy Murray at Masters Series events, who's also reached the middle weekend four years ago at the U.S. Open, beating Stan Wawrinka, hasn't really been able to follow it up. This is a big opportunity for him. Who's the Donald Young going to be that comes out to play this fall? Is it the very likable and very poised competitor we saw at the U.S. Open? Is it the guy who had a pretty rough summer before that on the hard courts? I'm really eager to see where Donald Young goes from here. So those are some scattered peripheral thoughts after the U.S. Open. We're going to move on to the fall season after this. Again, prior to that, that was Mark Hurd. CEO of Oracle, talking a little college tennis, and we look forward to talking to a special guest next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. John Wertheim, this is the Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Have a good week.